Hey team, welcome back and welcome to episode 29 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. So for most people, once you own, gone are the days of working for the man and being an employee, right? You're in control of your destiny, you have tax planning, you no longer have to work on someone else's turf. Not so fast. On today's episode of Transition Talk, we're going to talk about when, as an owner, you might have to work as an associate to get over a hump. These are some very specific scenarios that make sense, and we're going to tackle those today. Hello, Mr. Loretto. So, Christy? Not much. Have you ever had a moonlight or a second job? Well, okay, so I had a lot of jobs, and I was talking to Roxanne about this the other day. I think I had more jobs and more cars than anyone, and so... <laughs> I was a waiter and bartender throughout the day. Well, I hurt or broke my ankle, forgot which, but I injured myself. And so I needed money. And so I went to go apply at the Army Air Force Exchange, and I was going to be like some typer boy. So this is somewhere in the late 80s, and I show up for my interview to get this job with a broken foot. And so they put me in this cube, and then basically want to confirm on the interview, I can type 45 <laughs> words a minute. So I go in this little cube. And then they gave me this sheet of paper. There's a person on the other side. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm telling this story. And so she gets the stopwatch the minute that she hears me typing on the old school typewriter. So 60 seconds in, she says, Charles, I think I've heard enough. She walked me out. I was the worst typer ever. So as far as moonlighting, Christy, I was unemployed. Okay, this I was unemployed in this part of my life. So no, I don't think I've ever had a moonlighting job, but I'm sure you were a moonlighting summer. Tell me about your I moonlighting. I have not moonlighted, but I have two jobs at once. I worked at Sonic. Yes, the and car And I worked hop. at State Farm okay. as a claims okay. adjuster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's two really, really different and really, really customer service oriented jobs where sometimes people just aren't really happy. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm just so cheery. I can see, I can see both sides because I can see your happiness versus your skating skills. <laughs> I can see the detail-oriented State Farm adjuster side kind of thing. Yep. I, I, mm-hmm. I can see that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to need a moonlighting gig to go pick up my car at the dealership in a minute. So just know that I might have to take up a second job. I'm my sorry. time at I'm MVP sorry. might be limited. But let's get into I'm an associate and I own topic. So there's around four reasons, right? There's probably more than that, but we're to focus on the big four today. So either you are doing a startup and we'll talk about when you might need to be an associate in that situation. When you buy a smaller practice, but the cash flows don't make sense, but they will, right? So you're kind of in this, I'm going to buy a small practice and grow it. You're going to do a staggered sale or the seller has a plan or the seller has needs that you have to meet. So it's kind of like a short term give for a long term gain. So we're going to talk about those four today. So let's start with the startup. Start with the startup. All right. Startup. Talk to me about the startup and being an associate and why those two things often go together. Okay. At this point, you've listened obviously through the startup episode. So we now are going to commit to doing this startup and we've done our demographics and we have determined this is where we're going to go. We've got our thing open. Well, what's going to be required, unless you're filthy rich, is you're (laughs) going to need to have a job and you're going to need to go work someplace else. And so for a GP, this could be a one-year, two-year, three-year, five-year type relationship that you're going to be working part-time as you build up your practice. And so it's all going to depend on new patient flow. So that's why you need to be an excellent demographic study person, and then you have an excellent marketing plan because if you do a startup GP, it could be as simple as two years as an associate someplace else, and then you're working full-time four days a week in the practice because you're seeing 100 new patients a month slash 
2,400 new patients over the two-year period, you are busy. And so that's when you're going to slowly phase out. So you're always working in the practice, your own practice, and doing as much as you possibly can in these days. But then you want to be as efficient and busy as possible during those days. And then you want to be the associate elsewhere. You know, orthos could take longer. It could be a situation where it could be 36, 48 months, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of it has to do with that production, collection mm-hmm. thing. We talked about on the ortho valuation type lecture. We see the kid. We put the braces on, but I'm only collecting a little bit today. Yeah. And it's going to take it's a lot longer. There. I've got a lag time when I get paid. So we're going to keep those jobs going. The pediatric moral surgeon, I may only need to work for a year as an associate. Mm -hmm. My other specialties, my my props, my endo, my perio, it's really going to depend, again, on that number of GP referrals, the demand in that particular area of how quick that startup's going to be and how quick that your marketing is to that referral base as well as to the actual public. So big, big decision here is making sure we build the right place, making sure that you know I've identified, I talked last week about this, but just in case you didn't tune in for the ortho lecture, is... Practice Real Estate Group. They are out of the Texas market and they are doing demographic reports for you at no cost. So a little bit of a move of a vendor relationship that we have here. It's just basically this vendor is doing it at no cost. They're not sending us a check or anything as a thank you, but it's a really good resource for you. So Practice Real Estate Group, if you want to use somebody to help you identify that startup and make sure we build, they basically get paid from the landlord or whoever that you may be becoming the tenant with. That's how eventually they're paid. So yeah, that's when you're working part-time as this associate, as you're building this practice from scratch, and we're basically just doing to supplement some good income as we're building up our practice. Supplement life. Yes. So the second reason we're going to work and own at the same time is when we buy a smaller practice Mm -hmm. and the cash flows don't necessarily support us, but they will because you're going to grow it. You're going to bring referrals in-house. You have plans. And so you're buying this with the thought that there's opportunity there. And so you're going to either work outside to add to your cash flow or you're going to work outside to reinvest in the practice. Yes. And so we recently worked with a client who bought a practice. It wasn't a tiny practice, but it was on the smaller side, under a million. And he worked outside of the practice. Talk to me about that. Yes. This guy is killing it. So he's been out for three years, actually in Florida, and has taken these implant courses. He had a GPR program he went through. I mean, absolutely. On top of his game. Crushing it. Two day a week as an associate doing over $100,000 production collection a month. So the guy in this example is making $35,000 a month as the associate, whatever, $4,000 years an associate, but he wants to own. So we helped him buy this business. And again, it wasn't a giant practice, somewhere between like 7,800 collection practice and a good overhead somewhere in the 350 range he was netting. And so, you know, about a 50% over. So the practice was a no brainer, but the reality was he's able to produce so much more of this other practice. Senior doctor is going to stay around a little bit, a little bit of a high end patient. So what he decided to do, we purchased the practice. He's going to keep his two day a week gig, making his 400 grand. We're going to now work in this practice, and then we're going to take these dollars that we're pulling out from the practice, take the dollars we're pulling out of the associate, and we're going to invest back in the marketing. We're going to change some things out. We're going to start adding implants. We're going to start doing all these things he's doing on the side, but in his practice. So it's one of those situations that, yeah, it's smaller, and the guy can produce. Yeah. If you were a D4 and you purchased this practice and it was a 700 collection making three, that's going to keep you busy. Yeah. But for somebody who's been out that can do a lot, a lot of work, that's one of those situations that 
a whistle keep or part-time gig that makes a lot of money. And I love that story because some people would say, well, I'm making 400. Like, why would I buy practice? I'll just keep making this 400,000. But I think it just shows that if you're looking at it the right way, it's not about the current money. It's about your opportunity for planning. It's about your just kind of flexibility in the future. And clearly he's using this opportunity to kind of continue making that money, but to grow something that will support him and that, you know, he can start building equity in something. So I just love that because a lot of people would just say, nope, I'll just keep making my 400. Because he heard the Charles Christie Weiss speech. <laughs> That's what it's about, girlfriend. They heard the Christie uh, Charles Weiss speech, and so he gets it. So, uh, yes. Yeah. So we worked with a couple of clients like this, and I just think that it's really understanding working with a current client. You know, he's buying a smaller practice. The cash flows are tight, high overhead in this practice, but it's in his hometown. His cousin has a practice. He's going to work for his cousin kind of on the side after yep. he buys this practice and supplement what he needs for his family. So tons of examples of this. And I think if you have a strategy and you see the opportunity in a practice, it's worth it to continue to be that associate. Another reason that we see people be an associate other than kind of personal needs is kind of like your story where we're going to reinvest because we need marketing. Maybe it makes enough to cover us on our own, but it doesn't make enough to then maybe make it computerized and digital or to put huge money into an advertising if you're in a really competitive market. So that outside cash is funneled right back in to just kind of improve our situation. Yeah, I've used that example in many of the lectures where it's like a 500 collection practice. The guy was making like 150 and working there four days a week. And he asked me, what do you think I should do? Because he's very frustrated. I'm like, get a job, go work a couple of days a week and then dump the money back into the practice. And let's get some marketing and new patients flowing through there so I can get this thing and get it to grow. And so it could be in marketing, it could be in equipment that you need. The bottom line is we've got to have a plan to grow this business. Yeah, and we'll talk about what happens if we bought a small practice or we did a startup and our plan didn't work and now we have a small practice and we can't figure out how to grow it. We're gonna cover mergers and acquisitions and kind of how to boost a smaller practice next episode, episode 30. So stay tuned for that if that's where you are. So startup, smaller practice, Item three, staggered sale. So what we mean when we say staggered sale is not a long-term partnership. You go into it knowing I'm going to buy a portion of the practice today and I am guaranteed to buy a portion of the practice in the next one to two years or over a course of a very short time. And the goal is that 100% acquisition for a reason, whatever reason that is, we are structuring it over a period of time. This often happens when a seller needs to be an owner or needs to get some owner benefit benefit for a period of time, they're not quite ready to give up the ownership or a buyer is not quite ready to take on the full 100%. We worked with a client here recently who kind of was in this boat. Give me that example so people can understand why this is applicable in that associate stage. Yes. One of the things that we take a seller client on, one of the first things I just want to do is understand their financials. I want to see it's a million dollar practice. I want to see that they net $400,000. I want to see what their vision is. Can they afford to retire? I want to know, hey, John, you're 61. Paint me this picture. You know, you're going to get two extremes. I'll sell the thing tomorrow, Charles. Here's the keys and give me the money and I'm out of here. To the, I'm not really sure. I think I have at least 10 more years left in me. I'm like, you're not ready. Mm -hmm. But it's usually somewhere in that, call it the five-year less plan that the guy or gal is saying this. And they're saying, well, I can envision bringing somebody in and then maybe selling a piece of it. But for sure, I'm 61 and for sure I want to be out, you know, no later than 65 and maybe it's 64. 
I've got basically a plan that I can work with. And so that's my exact case here. This guy's in Georgia. And so I've got this million dollar practice. It's got a great overhead. It nets about 450. It's got a good cash flow. He's got a young man absolutely loves. And we've been working with them for almost two years now. And so the guy comes out of school, he goes down south, he's producing big numbers at corporate. Now he's coming back because the wife's like, look, I followed you for two years to this place. I followed you at dental school and now it's time. Take me back home. And so now they're going home and we had to create a plan to where we staggered this sale over a four-year period. And so we're going to start the sale this year in 2020, and then we're going to stagger 21, 22, 23. And so we created this model, but the bottom line is we're probably going to have these partners now work together in this little over a million-dollar practice. We're going to have them work typically maybe just two days a week. And this is an example where my new owner is actually going to keep working at corporate, and we're probably going to go work a seven, eight, 10 mile away kind of gig and they'll be busy and make, I don't know, maybe only 150,000 as an owner out of the gate at this small percentage of ownership, but then maybe they may make as much as another hundred plus thousand as the associate. And that's okay. Yeah. That happened to work for them. Yeah. It's a one doctor practice that we are trying to figure out the best plan to transition someone in and out over a period of time. Some people will just say, well, just wait till the seller's ready to sell hundred percent. But in this case, as a buyer, if you look at it from their perspective, they want some security that three years from now, they're going to be the person, right? They want to start that process now. They want to be an owner in something. And so I think it's a fair compromise to say, okay, fine, I'll start my ownership. We'll start that transition. It's great for their transition because now his face is in the practice and now they're working together and it'll make the process more seamless. So I think it's a great opportunity. And what I love about the work that we do, I do think that it's unique. I do think that there are just not other people like this that are doing what we're doing is Brokers will sell businesses like this and just say, we'll just sell at the end or just sell it now because it's just too complicated. Yeah. How to try to figure out a partnership, how they're going to split money. And bottom line is they're not going to get paid for three to four years mm-hmm. or they run off the buyer or the seller because they just said, we just sell it now. It's like you didn't listen to me. Yeah. And so I love listening to the buyers and sellers and trying to do that consulting agreement that we can work on a flat fee to guide both buyer and seller to the goals. And it's one of the things I know for sure that neither one of us could really see that part of our business model oh, growing. Yeah, no. But it's an amazing growth that we're seeing of helping both the buyer and seller listen to just what their goals are and help them get to the finish line. Yeah. And I think along those lines, the fourth area we're going to talk about is when a seller wants to sell 100%, but they need a commitment of some kind of work back that is not ideal for the buyer, right? I can think of two lovely ladies that we helped and they were each buying a practice and they were going to merge them together and the seller wanted to work. One of the sellers wanted to work back and he wanted to work back for a longer period of time than either of them wanted. And the cash flows were not going to be awesome initially and they really weren't going to be able to afford him. But they loved him. He brought value. One of them already had a fantastic job that was making good, decent kind of cash. And so it was worth the commitment of keeping that one seller on for a period of time because... In the end, they got a year from now, they were going to be in a place, they were going to have that cash flow back to split between the two of them. So the seller commitment that your seller is requiring, I'm not telling you to agree to any compensation in any length of time just to kind of ease it over and go work at another practice. But if there's value that that seller can bring to the table and that the end goal of a year or six months from now is 
100% ownership and all the cash flows and it's a good cash flow, I think it's worth considering that option. Well, I mean, the bottom line is like we're buying a business. And so if we buy a business, we got to think about the price. We got to think about the cash flows. Mm -hmm. We got to think about what it's going to be like for that seller maybe to work back. And let's say the deal is not an awesome deal with a seller working back. But because you're working at this other job or doing whatever, it basically is the same cash. And we're just basically waiting a year. Yeah. You know, we're waiting a year, maybe waiting two years. And so as we go through these exercises, you know, I always put it back on the buyer. I'm like, well, what else you got? Yeah, what's your other option? You got something else better? Because I can see how this is a little bit sticky. You're like, well, I really, really want this. I'm like, okay, I got it. But if you don't have anything, let's not just try to just throw this one down the toilet. Let's try to make it work. And oh, by the way, you know, you just got through telling me that your spouse is finishing this program and she's going to have this job or he's going to have this job and he just got made partner. I mean, let's take this income that you're making as a family and get through this little hurdle of six or 12 or 18 or 24 it could be a staggered sale or some type of seller commitment that's over a five-year period in orthodontic practice. I mean, you've got to be able to look long-term and be able to say, this is a great opportunity yeah, and I mean, get past it. It's a different topic, but it's the same reason why we're okay with someone, you know, an ortho transition with the common structure of I'm going to be an associate for three or four years before I get to buy in. And then, you know, then I'm buying in over a number of years because ultimately, what are we getting to? We're getting to the cash flow, we're getting to ownership. And if those cash flows and that opportunity is good enough, well, let's look past short to think about long. I'm going to talk about patience. I mean, you look at the accounting business, you're working for a corporation for 12, 15 years before you're a partner. Mm-hmm. Heck, I worked 16 years before I was a partner here. I mean, there are some payouts. Now, obviously, accounting is not the same as dentistry, but it is a service business that's specialized. And I think just taking a small step back, which I'm all for ownership, how quick can mm-hmm. we get it? But be able to look past some of these little things and get a little hurdle of maybe working on the side, it's not bad. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I do want to caution, I feel like I always like we talk about things and I'm like, one word of caution, but one word of caution. So banks, when we talk about lending, right, banks either love that you're working somewhere else or they hate it. So if you're doing a startup, they almost require you to have another source of income, right? Whether that be spousal income or your own income through an associate gig. If you're buying a practice, even if it's small, they don't like it if you're not fully committed. So funny, yep. The underwriting process is very different for a startup versus an acquisition. They'll give you, I don't know, 400,000 for a startup, but you ask for 300 for a practice that doesn't cash flow, they're like, I don't know. Right. They want to see when you're buying a practice, at least in my experience thus far, is that you're committed to building and growing and improving the cash flows of that opportunity. And so by having an associate position somewhere else, you're torn. You're not fully invested in your practice. So just know that that's something that may be not a good thing, even though in your cash flow situation, it's going to be helpful. And so it may be something that you don't do until after you close, or you don't have that commitment till after you close. But just kind of know that that's not something that all banks are going to see favorable, even though it may be favorable in your situation. So let me just add to that. So when you borrow money from one of these major banks, they have this credit risk department and they have a credit risk department for startups. They have a credit risk department for any acquisition and they have totally separate rules. You can get $600,000 as a surgeon or pediatric dentist, 550 typically for my other specialties and GPs out of the gate. Here's 550 grand, go start your own business. And they don't ask a lot of questions. Just as Christy mentioned, we're purchasing another practice on the acquisition 
and it's smaller, doesn't cash flow, they're a lot more hesitant. Then all of a sudden they're seeing you're going to be working three days a week so they can look at it two ways. It doesn't look like you're as committed to this practice. I'm like, committed? They're going to be making $150,000, $175,000. It's already guaranteed over there. Well, our risk department just doesn't look at it that way. So you got to understand these rules that they're playing. So a lot of times when we're analyzing a practice for you to purchase, cash flows are not great. We can almost see what that risk department is going to say before we even give it to them. And then we need to strategize with the bank on the timing of when you do get this other job and you either present it to them or you don't. I can tell you this, once you close on that loan, the bank is typically not calling you checking to see. As long as they're getting their check, things are usually usually pretty good. Absolutely. So clearly these four kind of topics and why you might own and be an associate are really unique examples. And we don't suggest that owning and working as an associate is for everyone. We take it super serious. We know that owning a practice and the management of the practice is a lot of work. And then adding an associate gig on top of that can also be stressful. But we do think a little time on the front end of some of these situations can make the process smoother. It can facilitate faster growth, allow less stress on your family financially. It's not always a straight line to ownership and success. And you kind of have to be flexible with how you get there. And the risk and reward of doing both at the same time can sometimes make sense. So that's all we have for today a on great this episode. topic. It was a good. I, I feel like that's something we don't hit on very often. But. Well, we talk about it so much when yeah. we're doing consulting, and that's why these episodes keep coming up. It's just because these are more and more of the conversations that we're having with people. And so this is definitely a tool that when we're going down this road, it's just so easy to point to, hey, this is where you're at. You need to listen to this episode. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so good stuff. That's it for today. Remember to subscribe to Transition Talk on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. And as always, like us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Have a great week. Thanks, guys.